Chapter Twenty Five of Countdown by Kurt Becker, S.J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. One. Lights flickered faintly. There were soft tinkling sounds, coolness, spicy and fragrant, with the scent of sea water and pine trees soothed his brow, spread rapidly and deliciously over his whole being, flowed down his arms and back, around his chest and stomach, and down the length of his legs to his feet, causing a faintly tingling sensation. He felt himself floating on an aromic cloud, which held him up with infinite gentleness, cradling his body tenderly, caressing it silkily with countless gossamer fingers, that eased and soothed and relaxed, rubbing away pain. He stretched lazily, wiggled his toes luxuriously, and opened his eyes. Andy was looking down at him, his face wearing an unaccustomed look of anxiety, which vanished suddenly in the strange inner radiance of his smile. "'Hi,' he grinned. "'Feeling better?' Ned nodded, foggily puzzled by the presence of the other, while the sensation of floating on a cloud still wrapped him around. "'You real?' he asked. Andy laughed gently, and his hand touched Ned's forehead, firm and warm. He became aware of other things, then. The sound of voices, of people moving around. Andy looked over his shoulder and moved to one side. His place was taken by a little man with strange glasses that made his eyes look like rainbows. Doctor, what was his name? Bliss, that was it. Doctor Bliss. He had a little glass in his hand, and he smiled reassuringly. Here. His voice was still astonishing. Even his whisper boomed. Drink this. He put a gentle hand behind Ned's neck, lifted his head, and put the vessel to his lips. It was syrupy and faintly sweet, with a tart, pleasant flavor. Ned swallowed it, and his mouth felt fresh and clean, with a delicious tingling cleanness. You'll be all right. The doctor's voice was friendly, reassuring. Just stay where you are a little while longer. He was gone, and Andy was looking at him again. "'Where am I?' Ned asked. "'In my room,' Andy told him. "'On my bed. You feel better?' Ned thought that over. He still ached, but the pains were remote somehow, dulled as if far away, and he still felt the strange sensation of floating on a cloud. "'I feel like I'm floating,' he said. "'You are,' Andy grinned. "'You are, in Bankite. I told you about it once.' "'Okay,' Ned replied. "'Have it your way. I'm floating.' He raised his hands and looked at them, trying to remember something. With a sudden, sinking feeling, he recalled what it was. "'That package!' he cried. "'The briefcase!' "'Easy, boy,' Andy reassured him. "'Father Carson has it. He's working with it on the ship.' He grinned. "'You fainted dead away, but you hung on to that thing like grim death. We had to pry it loose, finger by finger.' Ned tried to smile and felt his swollen lips begin to split. Andy's face was grave, and his smile concerned. Doc says your face will look like a rainbow for a few days, but nothing's busted. Somebody really worked you over. You should have heard Steve. He shook his head admiringly at the recollection. Steam was coming out of his ears. Whoever it was, had better not bump into him. That struck a chord. They're coming, Ned said in sudden alarm. They're going to shoot everybody in reckless ship. Easy, boy, easy. We know. Walt and what's-his-name Mike told us. We're handling it. I've got to help, Ned declared positively. I've got to. We can't let them. Take it easy, son. Mr. Baldwin's quiet voice came from somewhere. Everything's under control. I've got guards out, and the others are loading and checking. Just a couple of hours, that's all. We can hold them off that long. The phone rang, a subdued, discreet sound, and Ned lifted his head and saw Mr. Baldwin at the desk, the white telephone in his hand. "'That's right, Duke,' he said. 
Take all the cars and put them in a big half-circle about half a mile out. Leave the motors racing and the lights on high beam, so they'll have to go way out to keep in the dark. He listened. No, leave them and come back as fast as you can. They're expendable. The men aren't. He listened again and made small agreeing sounds several times, then shook his head. No, just one machine got on top of the hangar. And tell Wright to shoot high. I don't want any blood spilled. They're crazy, but they're still people. I don't want this trip to cost lives. Right. That's right. Get them all back to the hangar. We need them for the countdown. He hung up and came over to Ned. Can you get up, do you think? Ned nodded. All right, then. Get dressed and go with Andy. You don't have to move around much. All you'll have to do is read checklists, both of you. That'll free a couple of able-bodied people for other things. He smiled. I take it you're not going back to Hillstown? Not if I can help it, Ned said grimly. Not after this. Okay, Andy, get him some clothes. Ned tried to sit up and found himself sinking. For a moment he was frantic, and then he was on something solid. Astonished, he looked for the first time down at himself, and found that he was sitting in what looked like a bathtub full of clear blue liquid. But it didn't feel like liquid. It felt like silken feathers, resilient and dry. Fascinated, he scooped a handful and looked at it. It was blue and flowed around in his hand, its surface shiny. He spilled it and it splashed, but it left his hand completely dry. He remembered once, in chemistry lab, holding a little mercury in his hand. It had behaved exactly the same way, except that it had been much heavier. Stiffly he stood up, and the liquid swirled and eddied with his motion, but did not cling to him. It was totally indifferent to his presence. He saw then that Andy's left foot was swathed heavily in bandages, and that he was using a crutch. Andy tossed the cellophane-wrapped packages on top of the swirling liquid. They floated. Makes a swell bed, Andy said. I usually keep a cloth on it so I won't bury my face in the stuff or splash it all over the floor. I'm a restless sleeper. Doc insisted it has medicinal qualities and put you in it. Feel better? Feel fine. Ned was opening the packages, struggling into the clothes. A skin-tight suit of some heavy netting, a one-piece coverall with a broad, soft leather belt, and comfortable shoes with thick, flexible soles that laced halfway up his calves. Okay, how do we get to the ship? I drive you, Mr. Baldwin said quietly. You got everything? Andy looked around, then pointed to the car of St. Andrew above his strange bed. His father nodded, and without a word he took it down and handed it to his son. Let's go. Ned was glad that Andy's hobbling progress with his crutch made them move slowly. His body still throbbed stiffly, and it would have been painful for him to move rapidly. They went down the corridors and out into the open night, where a jeep stood waiting. The rain had begun again, and from somewhere, far off, there came the sound of a single rifle shot. End of chapter 25